Welcome to the Reimagined Ability Podcast Series. I'm here with Jamie Molnar, Business Development Manager at AVL. Jamie, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're new to the automotive space. Mm-hmm. It's been now several months. Are you six saying, months. Six a months. Week. No okay. one's counting, right? <laughs> are you gonna are you are you gonna say, oh my gosh, these guys are crazy? <laughs> or are you gonna say, yes, it's different, but it's interesting? Uh, I think it's a good combination of all of it. If you wanted I wouldn't say crazy at all. I would say passionate for sure. I mean, the amount of talent and engineering experience we have just within our team is really mind-blowing, especially knowing where everyone has come from. Uh, Interesting. It's fascinating. It's not something you can, coming from a medical background for 12 years, it's not something you can open a catalog and siphon through and pick something by model number and then have it scaled. I mean, we work in a very limitless industry, you know, where we get projects and we collectively think, can we do this? It hasn't been done before, but we have the resources and let's see if we can. So it's completely different, but, you know, if you whittle it down, it's still sales at the end of the day, you know, a lot of relationship building with the customers and, you know, building that rapport and then um, going from there. So it's, it has been a wild ride, but it's been a lot of fun. A lot of speed associated with uh-huh. it. Very different. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If you compare to where you were before and where you are now, are the customers give the cut? Do the customers give you more time or less time? Um, I that's a good question. I think it really depends on what what value I can bring to the customer. So if I can isolate within this industry with engineering or automotive or medical that there's a problem and we can provide a solution and I have that solution for that problem, that's going to give us a lot more runway to have a more intelligent discussion, mm-hmm. right? So it becomes more of a consultative, you know, how we can help each other out. Customer has a problem. Oh, that's great because we have a solution. We can help you X, Y, and Z and make your job easier at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of parallels when it comes to the transactional side of the business within automotive and then coming from my past in medical and even higher education. But the content uh, of the business is obviously is very different. Uh, (laughs) The expectations or the assumptions that you had when you came into automotive. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk AVL. Let's just talk the industry as a whole. Give me one example that totally like surprised you how difficult it was, different, not difficult, yeah. different it was from what you expected. And give me one example of like, yeah, this is pretty much what I expected. This is how it turned out. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, uh, uh, gosh, I don't think anything has really turned out as I expected because it's so nuanced and different and it's like this living organism beast that's constantly evolving and changing and you have to pay attention to it and foster its Uh, growth you know but your uh original question i i remember i have a mutual friend that works here and i had just had an amazing year in my medical career and i thought you know what i'm not feeling challenged enough i want to do something creative and work you know in a destructive 
you know, disruptive type industry that keeps me on my toes. And I had heard my mutual friends say like, oh, we're doing all these projects. And immediately, without thinking about it, I said, you know, do you have a sales team or is it all engineers? And then that's how that conversation started and then started to talk with you. And I mean, it can be overwhelming at times. I'm not going to lie. But the reason why I changed industries was because I wanted a challenge. I wanted something that was new and different every day every minute of every day and this is definitely the industry to do it you know my eight-year-old thinks that riding in a level four autonomous vehicle is like the coolest thing ever which is which is great and even my husband who works in medical and we had worked together i'll tell him the projects and he's like you have no idea that you work in such a fascinating industry right Mm -hmm. in medical your technology is very forefront uh, security cybersecurity. you're saving patients lives i mean you would think that that's also very fascinating, interesting, interesting. But what we do on the automotive side, and especially with AVL, it's it's even more so. Like uh-huh. kicked it up like tenths of a notch. So, okay. Would you have considered yourself before you got here? Would you consider yourself a, a automotive lady? So no. you love cars and cars and everything. No. Not at all, huh? No, not at all. In fact, I mean... that's that's the running joke I think with a lot of my girlfriends that also work in automotive like oh did you see that cf and blah 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 and i'm like that blue car that came rolling by that sounds really angry that truck <laughs> so i i have my knowledge base with an automotive has grown extensively mm. which is really incredible and i love hearing some of the side stories on why things are called this way or do you know why there's so many numbers of this production you know without revealing too much. I, I, I love that at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of passionate, really interesting people, you know, kind of putting their own creative spin on things. But no, my, my mom's in engineering and all of my friends, most of my friends are, and I would not, I would say, oh, that cute sporty car, you know, I would look at it or something. (laughs) That was pretty much it. So yeah, I've, learned a ton in the six months that being here so what's from a from a technology perspective to add to this what what is the most surprising to you in automotive i mean some people you know when i when i talk to people and i tell them i'm in uh, automotive technology yeah. right they're like oh yeah cars yeah what's 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 so fancy i mean we see some stuff is pretty cool you know they mentioned maybe tesla mm-hmm. or it mentioned you know waymo that drives autonomous yeah but other than that, they always give me the impression when you get into a discussion, they really don't recognize how much technology is really behind the, or on top of the four wheels, right? right? What what has surprised you the most, being now more immersed and, and understanding more of the different technologies, the different types of stuff yeah. that's in a car besides just the steering wheel and the and a gas and a brake and four wheels type yeah. of thing? What, what has mostly surprised you? Jeez, well, I never looked, you know, peek behind the curtain to see how things were done, right? You just, as a consumer, I go to a car lot, pick out a car that I like aesthetically, you know, get in there, turn off, you know, I understand the functionality, but don't really understand as the point I want to use it. And now I see the, the timeline to develop and an engine or something like that and the amount of work it takes and and people and engineering and project management to kick it off successfully and to see it from conception 
to design, to release. It's not, it's a very thoughtful process. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of engineering. Mm -hmm. I, I just, you don't think of that as a consumer. I just mm -hmm. think, you know, I like this car, I like how quiet it is. But then when you think of all the back channels of everything that's done to get it to where it is, and that's just one piece of this True. giant puzzle, no. right? So I guess it's allowed me a lot more insight and be more conscious of what I'm driving and all of the hands and the technology and the engineering and the design that went into designing this one piece of this giant vehicle. Mm. You know, it's it's been... And the uh, the whole autonomy. I mean, that I just recently was able to ride in a level four autonomous vehicle, and I felt I think well, maybe just me, like a giddy like five year old because I'd never, you know, been in one before. And to see the the way that a duck would cross the road and it would immediately stop, and it was making these turns, and it was very thoughtful, and and we helped develop these these tests to to make that car safe on the road make it safe for us and our kids to ride in one one day yeah, yeah. you know so it's it's a very it's a very turnkey cycle which i like because it impacts us and our family at the end of the day but then it's also making an impact in the engineering automotive world yeah, which is which is awesome sure yeah so two years ago how did you pick a car what are the top two <laughs> attributes that you picked a car a new car for well Luckily for me, working in medical, I always had a car supplied for me, so it was... Okay, well, yeah. if you were to go and get Right, it. but just recently, before starting with this, I, I wanted um, a large enough car to fit all of the kids and car seats and all of that. So size was important? Size was important. Uh, safety was paramount. I would always ask, in medical, if I was taking my kids to... Um, their wellness checkup, and they're telling me a couple of different options to take care of something, I would say, what would you do if it was your kid? Mm -hmm. What would you prescribe? And I kind of think of that when I go as a consumer shopping for a car too. Mm -hmm. Like, I like the look and the aesthetics of this, but from a safety standpoint, would you feel comfortable recommending this to your teenage daughter? Mm -hmm. You know, so that to me tells a lot of the buying process. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's safe enough for you and your family, it's safe enough for me. Um, I don't need a lot of my car. It has a lot of bells and whistles and I don't, I just don't have, I don't use them sadly, but I know it's still not today. Yeah. I know so it that hasn't changed since I guess my question ultimately yeah. is right. Two years ago, you looked at size and safety <laughs> with now what you know, or you're suddenly like, yeah, that's still important, but now I want adaptive cruise. I want it to be a hybrid or an yeah. EV. I wanted to have this engine in it. I wanted to have this size of infotainment screen. I want to be connected via via no, that's connected a, service. That's a good point. I mean, that kind of narrows it down a little bit. I have. I am a lot more conscious of the the ADOS functionality, um, whereas I know how annoying it can be. But <laughs> it, writing, you know, I live in a in a town, a, a small congested town, and called Dexter, and when everyone's going to school, it is car to car to car. And sometimes I'm talking to the kids in the back seat and I don't realize that the car is still moving forward. And then I get an automatic alert and it kind of stops to help mm -hmm. avoid an accident. Mm -hmm. And I think how many times have I been, you know, opening snacks and putting it behind my, you know, to get to the kids in the car. If I didn't have that functionality there, 
what could have or would have happened, mm -hmm. especially like the seatbelt function. I can tell when my kids unbuckle their seat before we come to a full stop. Oh, and that's been a very, uh, it's been a teachable moment for teachable them. Moment so, him. so I think if anything, it's, it's been more the, the safety features. And I think eventually, you know, the, some of the, the EV space I would love just from a, you know, environmental standpoint, you know, my daughter is constantly thinking of putting band-aids on the earth and we don't litter because that's a boo-boo for the earth. And so I try to weave in the car story with that, you know, with reducing fuels mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's, it is paramount. It's something that they're teaching our kids at a very young, young age. I mean, she's five, so it's, it's definitely a key highlight for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say in your space where you're working on dealing with customers mm -hmm. in the automotive space, recognizing that we're really very much in a hybrid mode right now, right? We mm. During COVID, we all work from home. Yeah. And now some companies are back 100% and some companies are still 100% from home. And then we have really the majority, anything and everything in between. Where do you see your field changing as it relates to relationships that you're building and technologies and value you're communicating to the customer? Mm -hmm. You think this will continue to evolve to be much more, let's say, video-based yeah. with every once in a while a mm -hmm. dinner or a face-to-face? Will it go back again to what it was before, which mm -hmm. was the majority was face to face? Mm -hmm. What, where do you see that going? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, uh, and it's very much in parallel to how medical is now. You know, especially because of COVID and going to hospitals and, and spreading of that. So everything was like a stopgap, and everything turned to video. My previous uh, company, our VP, had said something that always stuck with me. Well, we were trying to figure it out and said that the game hasn't changed, but the rules have, right? So the way to relay information and communicate with people, we had to find new, innovative and creative ways to impart our message, to share how you can help that end user or customer out. And I think after two and a half, well, I don't know how many years now, it's two and a half years plus, people have become very comfortable in that working environment. Um, however, I see the need where it's more and more important to have the face-to-face -face interaction, especially when you're talking about some, some tangible or multi-layered product with, with, you know, a, a large group of people that everyone has their hand in the pot. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think more and more people are just comfortable doing it online, but I think we all feel better at the end of the day when we have face-to-face -face interactions like this and you walk away and you're like, God, you know, I miss that kind of humanity element uh, with it. So, Are you an extrovert? Huh? Are you an extrovert? Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you need face-to-face, -face, right? <laughs> I do, yes. I mean, uh, you know, I'm the person in, in the grocery aisle, you know, striking up a conversation with two people behind me just because that's, I can't, sure. there's no turn-off, you know, uh, valve for that. Uh, so... I love the interaction with people. It's a very genuine thing that I've had since I was a kid, just mm -hmm. communicating, which is why I love sales. So I hope it changes because I feel at the end of the day, it builds the fibers for an even stronger relationship. And people want to partner with you if they like you and they can tell that you're a genuine person. So I think the more that we have an opportunity to have that interaction, the strongest the stronger our business relationships can can form, which then lends itself to more 
projects and partnerships and things like that. But So how did you have to adjust and to go to a, let's say, video call Mm-hmm. instead of being able to call a customer up and say, okay, I want to come in. I have some technology yeah. that's going to save you three months' worth of development time. It's going to save you $20 million mm-hmm. in your production, ultimately. Mm-hmm. How did you have? How did you personally have to change from being able to do that face-to-face and now do it video where, I mean, in my experience, you never really know if the other side really pays attention. Right. Some are really good and they stare at the camera and mm-hmm. then suddenly you realize, yeah, but they're typing, right? They're really good yeah. at it. And other ones give you the same undivided attention as you get what right. we do right, right. now, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. What do you have to change? What's, what's the one major thing you feel like you have to change or adjust? Yeah. Because again, the game hasn't changed. The approach, the different the plays have... you're running now, mm-hmm. what do you have to mm-hmm. run to win the game mm-hmm. has changed because you now have a face-to-face mm-hmm. option and you have a video so with video what did you personally yeah. have to change well i can draw from my previous experience i mean that was very challenging we would have multiple cameras and tripods and a, a demo unit showing to a clinical team how to utilize it huh. and then impart a message like this is going to save you time latency issues it's going to help you stay connected reduce error save lives, blah, blah, blah. But that's hard to convey such a big message, you know, through video like that. And I think in this industry, what I find to be the key grabbers that keep people kind of out of the hammock so they're not snoozing or checking email, whatever, Mm -hmm. is anything that's interactive or an example or something really dynamic or, you know, an example of, you know, customer we've we understand that you want to do X, Y, and C. We recently had an amazing uh, project with this customer. Let me high level show you what that was like. Because that that is going to engender interest from the other party. I think it all stems from you have to understand why you're having that call. And it's not us just flexing our muscles on what we can do. We really have to make our customer the hero and the showcase at the end of the day. Because it really is is up to them on how we can start developing that partnership. Mm-hmm. So I think having that baseline understanding of really what their pain points are, what we can do to provide a solution and keep it as engaging as possible and not what we would term death by slideshow. You know, no yeah. one wants to get on just a couple of slideshows, something that tells a story. You know, I've been through enough sales uh, presentations and, and trainings through the years in medical where you learn how to keep people out of that hammock because after a couple minutes, people get in there and they get comfortable. You got to yeah. keep them engaged and interactive. And I think it all starts with understanding your customer and their needs and then us not flexing what we can do, but how how we can help them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe last question. The diversity of technologies that we develop or products that we have at AVL is it's always something I recognize almost every week. I mm-hmm. learn something new. I didn't know we did that. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know we had that. How do you deal with that? Because you're supposed to go out and sell it, right? You're supposed to sell the entire portfolio. Right. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit, but how do you deal with that? I mean, clearly you have to learn it. You have to rely on not only your teammates, but mm-hmm. also on on the engineering side right. to help you. But but how do you overcome this? How did you overcome it to, to feel more comfortable with it? Yeah, I think I, it's safe to say that I still uh, find myself not fully comfortable. And I think that's a good place to be in because that 
fosters a lot of open-ended questions within our engineering team and with our customers. I am very upfront with them. If someone gets into a technical conversation with me, I'll say, you know what? You're the expert in that area. I understand what service we can provide. How would you normally tackle that problem? So I kind of let them guide me down a way that helps me understand, okay, they're bringing up you know, development and battery and this, this, and this. I already know in the back of my mind what key people I want to bring in, but I'm letting them tell me the the story mm-hmm. and what their needs are. Um, there is a, a sense of humility that I think can go very far when you have these conversations with, with our customers and large mm-hmm. OEMs. Um, and I think that they respect that because they don't want to be told what they need to do to make their product better. They are really looking for a partner to hear them out to find a solution-based effort to work together. So, but yeah, I'm not in a comfortable place at all. And I don't know when and if that will happen, but that's why I switched. You know, I was wanting something that was exciting that would get me out of bed every morning, learning something new every day and in being vulnerable and humble in that department has led to some incredible relationships here within AVL as well as outside, you know, with my key customer base. Mm-hmm. And that's been, it's, it's been fantastic. So good. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for Appreciate having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to reimagine mobility podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.